Hey, I'm Tom Power. I'm the host of the podcast Q with Tom Power, where we talk to all kinds of artists, actors, writers, musicians, painters. We had Green Day on the other day talking about their huge album, American Idiot. Nicole Byer came on to talk about ADHD and comedy. And then there's Dan Levy. While we were talking about filmmaking, we talked about his insecurities. I sometimes feel like I have this desire to, like, perform, to be a version of myself that people might like. Listen to Q with Tom Power to hear your favorite artists as they truly are wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. I'm going to get personal for a moment. Seven months ago, I fell hard running and broke a bone in my spine. I didn't need surgery, but I did need physiotherapy. One of the things my PT did was have me walk heel to toe as if I was on a tightrope. And I couldn't do it. Here I was, an otherwise average guy who runs every other day, and my balance was awful. It turns out I'm not alone. And that's why we're asking this week, why is it important to maintain my sense of balance as I age? Hi, Lisa. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, Brian. It's my pleasure. So how's your balance? Uh, My balance is not too bad in spite of my age. (laughs) Do you work on it? I do actually. I um I attend Pilates classes a couple of times a week and that helps me stay strong and helps my uh, postural support muscles and makes me do things that I otherwise probably wouldn't do on my own. Can I ask you to give us a hi my name is tell us what you do and where you do it just ad lib. Sure. Um, Hi, my name is Lisa Hoffert, and I'm a physical therapist. I work in high-performance sport at the Canadian Sport Institute in Calgary, and I also have a general practice at Group 23 Sports Medicine. Okay, here we go. Lisa, balance almost seems underappreciated in fitness, but why is it so important to overall health? Well, your balance is accumulation of so much of your body all working together. It's your signals being sent from your muscles and your tendons and your joints up to your brain to say, this is where we are in space and your brain's reaction to, okay, well then we need to make some adjustments, whether they're major or minor to keep you upright and opposing gravity, assuming that that's actually where you want to be in space. Lisa, I don't think I'm going to be in space anytime soon. So, so I, I'm definitely a prisoner of gravity. I don't, I don't know about yeah. you. Well, some of the people I work with um, are athletes that do f- like freestyle um, alpine sports. And so they have, they have a different appreciation for what balance is because they're not always touching the ground. I see and, what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk before we get to elite athletes. Uh, let's start mm. with ordinary people. At what age do we start to lose our balance? Um, The research is showing that after our fifth decade, so in our 50s, we start to lose our balance as a general um, ability. Why is that? Um, I think it's a combination of we don't challenge our balance as much. When we're younger and when we're children, we're doing things that are novel and are more likely to land us head over tea kettle sort of thing. And so I think that when we're older, we're a little wiser and we kind of see things as as a potential danger. So if you don't use it, you kind of lose it sort of thing. So there's what we call balance is made up of several components, isn't it? Mm -hmm, Definitely. The main purpose of balance is to keep your eyes level with the horizon. 
And so then your um, head stays upright and that's how your brain wants to process the information. In order to do that, then there's vestibular ocular reflex and your vestibular system. So that's your inner ear sending signals to say, you know, where you are in space, whether you're moving in space, whether you're not moving in space, whether you're tilted one way or the other, but it doesn't work in isolation because you're also getting signals from your eyes. So you identify two senses. You need to know balance. Mm -hmm. You need to know, you need to have vision. And of course people do lose their vision as they get older. So if they have cataracts, that's going to affect their, their ability to stand upright. Yep. So anything that becomes an issue with your vision then creates a challenge for your balance. And Lisa, there's a third uh, sense that's important. And, and you, know, the, you know, the fancy term is proprioception. That's what we call it. That's what you and I call mm-hmm. it. But what does that mean? Your, your proprioception is your ability to know where one body part is with relation to the other. And uh, you have senses, sensors in your muscles, sensors in your tendons and in your joints that send signals up to your brain saying, this is where we are. And that can get kind of thrown askew when you've had an injury. What are some of the most common conditions that you have to deal with that lead older people to lose their sense of balance? I mean, one of, one of the very common ones is just that we don't, we don't use their, our systems and we don't challenge our systems. So a sort of funny story, and I don't think my husband will truly appreciate him being called an older person, but he is in his 50s. So he was refereeing a lacrosse game recently, and he got uh, knocked over by one of the players. And he did, did a bit of a roll and got upright. And then he was like, whoa, it felt a little bit off just for a second. He didn't hit his head, but he hasn't challenged his vestibular system. So his inner ear um, and the reflex with his eyes in any way, shape or form in a couple of years. And that was a big challenge, but he recovered like within seconds and, and was fine. So sometimes just not having a challenge, not doing enough puts us in a bit of a deficit. But then the other part is that people have injuries that they recover from to the extent they are functional. If you aren't exposed to that challenge, you don't know that you're actually in a deficit and then you don't work on it and you actually need to work on it. We're going to talk about how to work on it in just a moment. But I I was really curious about a study that I think you've heard of. And in that study, which was uh, released prematurely, it was the one that was uh, published in the uh, British Journal of Sports Medicine. Researchers tested balance by having people standing on one leg. And I wanted to ask you, how well does that test your balance? Um, I think that's a that's a very fair test of balance because it challenges all of the systems all at the same time, which is what your body has to do every day just to get around. So in the study, they had to be able to stand on one leg for 10 seconds. What happens Mm -hmm. to people who are unable to do that? Or what are they at risk of that is? They'll be at a higher risk of falls, which is the sort of kind of no brainer answer to that question in the sense that you know, if they have to, if they do slip or trip, um, their writing reactions are a little bit slower and they're more likely to take a tumble rather than just an embarrassing little trip of maneuver that the rest of us would just pretend didn't happen. Um, the other thing is that it's a sign that they're maybe not being as active because if you're not, if you don't get out and about, if you're just sitting on your couch and watching Canada's Got Talent, 
then um, you're not going to get the benefits cardiovascularly. You're not going to get the benefits from a respiratory or circulatory perspective. And so your general health is sort of indicated in the fact that you aren't using that system. So as a kind of quick and dirty test, it's not a bad test. And it can actually help practitioners identify that someone who may have had an injury or has some knee arthritis is actually being quite impacted on a daily basis by that challenge. Do you recommend people try this at home on their own? You could. I think if you have actual concerns, then you know don't do it by yourself. But um, sometimes I have my patients who are challenged in a balanced way stand in a corner, you know, with their back in a corner of a where there's a countertop or Uh, walls, and then they can put a chair in front of themselves, and then they can stand on one leg and lightly touch the chair and take their hands off and see if they can count to 10 seconds. What you're really looking for in this test is that people start to wobble, you know, within eight or nine seconds that they can just barely make it to 10 seconds. That means they're probably in trouble. Yeah, definitely. They would, I would have some concerns about that for sure. 10 seconds isn't super long. To that end, my physical therapist sent me home with balance exercises, beginning with standing on one leg for at least 30 seconds. You know, I got up to three minutes on one leg or the other, and then she had me stand on one leg while turning my head to the right or to the left. Um, Yes. So how feasible is it to train everyday people who don't do a lot of exercise? Um, We've had lots of experience showing that no matter how deconditioned people might be that there's always some room for improvement. And I think it just depends on where we set the bar, like the start bar and where we set that first goal. So for some people there, we're not going to ask them to tip themselves over or try to touch the ground with one hand and get back up again. Some people who have had significant challenges like an acoustic neuroma, for example, then even just getting them to be in a safe space, like the corner and sort of hanging on and closing their eyes would be quite anxiety provoking. So I would, you know, you have to gauge where you're setting things. I like to just have people stand on one, one foot while they brush their teeth, do one foot in the morning and one foot at night and see if they can get all the way through as a simple test for Joe average. And, and for those listening who don't know what an acoustic neuroma is, that that's a tumor of the brainstem that can affect hearing, but can also affect uh, your balance. Yes. And you offer something called vestibular therapy to help someone who feels dizzy, say after a stroke. What is vestibular therapy? Vestibular therapy, we start with identifying what the main causes of the dizziness is and People will come in without getting into the nuances of vertigo versus dizziness versus just feeling off. Sometimes what happens then is that that the reflex can be off between their vestibular system, so their inner ear, their eyes, and their musculoskeletal system. And someone who's had a stroke, it can be maybe the brainstem itself is involved. Sometimes their sensation Uh, in their limbs is affected. And sometimes then also just even their awareness of where their body is in space is set off. So um, you may have to tackle that challenge from a multifaceted approach. Um, Before you offer vestibular therapy, how do you test for that? How do you decide that somebody can benefit from that kind of uh, an approach? 
we do do a balance test in a graduated way. So we could do one foot in front of the other, one foot uh, off the ground. We also try to identify whether it's the vision system that's the problem. And then you do tests that are specific for the inner ear. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless, host of Hunting Warhead from CBC Podcasts and the Norwegian newspaper VG. Hunting Warhead follows a global team of police and journalists as they attempt to dismantle a massive network of predators on the dark web. Winner of the grand prize for best investigative reporting at the New York festivals and recommended by The Guardian, Vulture, and The Globe and Mail, you can find Hunting Warhead on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to switch now to professional athletes, to high-performance athletes, because I know that that uh, that's that's part of your work. And I'm thinking now of snowboarders. I'm thinking of of ski jumpers. How do you test their balance, the balance of elite athletes of all kinds? Oh, that's very hard. <laughs> that's why we asked you. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. We try to push their limits and find out how almost ridiculous can we make the task and see if they can stay on it. You, you know, sometimes we've had we also challenge them in rather non-traditional ways. Like have you seen like a slack line, sort of like a tight rope that's not tight and it's a strap. It looks like a great big tie down strap that you'd have on the back of a big truck holding furniture down. And, and uh, people will tie them to trees and then they walk across them. And that super, super, super challenges all of your systems that help with your balance. So with athletes, what we do is we might change the environment that they're actually working with. Are there virtual exercises that they're able to do that then can translate to the real world? Um, I think you can, you can use just visualization mm-hmm. and imagine yourself going through. We have, we have a lot of sliding athletes that come through Calgary. So that's your luge, bobsleigh, and skeleton. And so they're having to see things go through, go past them at 100 kilometers an hour. And they're laying down, certainly the the skeleton and luge athletes. And then they also have to deal with vibration, which affects your inner ear and your proprioception. So that is a super challenging environment that would be quite hard to replicate. So the best you can do is, is replicate things virtually as best you can, visualize as best you can. Does the work that you do with professional athletes or high-performance athletes in any way translate uh, for the work that you do with people like me who uh, are not elite athletes by any sense of the stretch of the imagination but are trying to stay fit? Oh, 100%. Because, I mean, in a Canadian winter, a person who trips a little bit or slips on ice still needs to stick that landing and um, it doesn't matter whether you've had a knee replacement or not. You don't want to land on your head. So um, <laughs> balance balance matters for everybody. So let's imagine someone listening to us is just starting to get fit. How important is it to make balance exercises part of their routine? Oh, I would think that this is just as important as trying to get your cardio fitness um, up to whatever your goal is. It's just as important as whatever calories you want to burn or however much time you want to spend on the treadmill or riding your bike. This is um, 100% part of your normal fitness routine. Many of us sit too much. And I'm wondering why could improving balance help counter that? When you're just sitting on, on a chair, something that doesn't move, 
you can just kind of collapse into that and not challenge your nervous system in, in any way more than whatever you're reading and whatever you're typing. So asking your body to react then to the signal, to challenge, more challenging signals that your brain is sending will result in some muscle activation and create better health and postural support. So just getting up and walking around or are you talking about standing desks? You can get up and walk around and take breaks. You can sit on a physio ball. You could and you should change your your work position very regularly through the day in a variety of ways. You could even go for I actually advocate that people actually do some of their meetings just as a walking meeting. Um, and there's also you could do standing meetings where you even you might be on Zoom, which is slightly more common still. You mentioned, I think you were talking about your husband, uh, and you mentioned in passing uh, rolling down a grassy hill, which is, of course, something that kids delight in doing. And, and I can tell you that most grownups don't. So is that something you might recommend to keep us steadier on our feet? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think just giving it a try and seeing like what what your body how your body reacts. It's sort of like doing your own more challenging balance test because you know for someone who's in their middle ages with not no significant injuries or concerns, you know, I think you should be able to do a forward roll and and not feel um undone. But some of really common fitness things such as yoga or Tai Chi require you to do balance as part of moving from one space to another. And it's actually a good way if you do yoga once a week, that's a good way of kind of building that right into your fitness program. I think just dancing is even good. You know, you move your bodies in different ways. There's literally unlimited options in terms of you can still do gymnastics, it really seems like balance is one of those use it or lose it capabilities. Assuming we don't have a disease affecting our ability to stand and walk, how easy is it to improve your balance with some simple exercises? Oh, I think it's really easy. Um, a lot of our recovery comes just with the neuromuscular connection. So it's just the signals that are going from your nervous system to your muscles to contract. And you should see changes within three weeks. Um, you'll see significant changes within six. And, and it can be quite rewarding. And you can also, you could challenge your balance doing, you know, even some weekend warrior things where you go out and ride your bike and maybe do a dirt trail instead of urban riding or just something a little bit out of the ordinary to push your body a little bit out of that comfort zone. The nice thing about doing a single leg test is that you can time it and you can see your improvements um, and quantify it. So that's rewarding and it encourages you to continue doing it. Well, you don't do balance exercises, Lisa. So what do you do in general to, to keep yourself fit? I learned a while ago that I was not very good at motivating myself to do home exercises. I always found that when things were, even if I did a video when the things got hard, which was the things I probably needed to do the most, that was the best time to go get a drink of water. And then when you came back, that exercise was over. <laughs> <laughs> so I try to go at least once a week to an in-person class. Um, right now I'm into Pilates and that works well for me. And my Pilates teacher actually makes us do balance things. So um, I do that because that keeps me more honest. And I, I know my own, I know that I, I'm a cheater. <laughs> and 
so I don't I don't cheat in class because she'll call me out. You know, I can mutter under my breath. And then when I leave, I'm so glad I did it. Well, Lisa, the fact that you have to be able to demonstrate those balance exercises to your oh, clients yeah. tells oh, yeah. you that tells me that your balance must be pretty good. Well, and I always tell like right before there's this little thought that goes through my brain. I'm like, don't embarrass yourself. Just don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> so I had to do a dance audition and I had to do like a, a spin. And I haven't done that since university. And I was like, oh, just do it, Lisa. Don't overthink it. And I did it. And I was like, <gasps> so I had to make sure I went back and told my Pilates teacher that that was all because of her. <laughs> Lisa Hofford, you're not just a great explainer. You're also inspiring. And I think you've inspired me to make sure I keep at it. Yeah, and there's so many different ways you can do it. You sound like a guy who could enjoy tap. Tap dancing? Tap dancing. Whoa. You do that. Okay. Well, (laughs) Lisa Hoffer, thank you so much for for sharing your your wisdom and, and some great tips with us. Thank you very much, Brian. It's been my pleasure. Lisa Hoffert is a physiotherapist with Canadian Sport Institute Calgary and Group 23 Sports Medicine. Here's your dose of smart advice. Balance is crucial for standing. It's also essential for survival. A study published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine found that middle-aged and older people unable to stand on one leg for 10 seconds are nearly twice as likely to die within 10 years. Adults begin to lose their balance in their 50s. The reasons why include inner ear problems, loss of vision, loss of sensation in the feet caused by diabetes, strokes, as well as pain and arthritis in the legs. Being sedentary is also bad for your balance. The good news is that simple exercise can help maintain and even restore your balance. Try brushing your teeth while standing on your right leg each morning and on your left leg each night. At work, get up and walk around periodically. Consider holding meetings while standing or walking. If you cycle on flat streets, adding hills is good for your balance. For even more training, try rolling forward on a grassy hill. Yoga, Tai Chi, dancing, and gymnastics are also great for balance. This kind of training is as important to your well-being as cardio. The good news is that you'll have better balance in a matter of weeks. See your healthcare provider if you're falling frequently without a good explanation, and if your falls are associated with serious symptoms such as loss of vision, hearing, sensation in your legs, weakness, or pain. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat, hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find out about us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Amina Zoffer and senior producer Colleen Ross. Our sound engineer is Laura Antonelli. We're taking a break this summer, but we'll be back in September with new episodes. This summer, we'll be airing some of our most popular episodes on CBC Radio 1 each Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your health care provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.